Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, where we talk about football, basketball, and recruiting. Uh, we are a couple days late on this recording. Uh, we had to get some stuff in line, and the big boss man, Steve Lorenz, is on vacation, so so he will not be here today, but I'm your host, Zach Shaw. On the phone, Isaiah Hull. I've got lots of good stuff. We had lots of good questions this week. Uh, pretty much going to carry us throughout the entire show. Also want to give a quick shout out to our theme song haters uh, who said that, that the theme song is lame. It's staying for good. I love it. So it's, it's never going away for those who also enjoy it. But, you know, you say that until I get uh, Metallica to pen us a new one directly for Okay, if, if an actual band wants to make us an actual theme song, yes, that can be that can be in there. I, I like it. I don't know if you've listened to it that closely. I think it's a fun, beachy, positive tune, uh, but also one that's got like enough of a beat that you're not like taking a nap at the beach. You're having a good time at the beach. Oh, it's definitely something. Oh my goodness, you are! I cannot <laughs> believe you're one of them. Anyway, speaking of, of hanging out, having a good time at the beach, we'll get uh, some of our summer-themed questions. It is uh, the dog days of summer, art fair coming around this week here in Ann Arbor. And, of course, uh, it's about the halfway point for the summer for most people. So we've got some summer questions. Uh, we'll start with JB374. It's summertime. What is your go-to libation for warm weather? Beer, wine, liquor, or cocktail? And what kind specifically? Well, for me, unfortunately, I have something of uh, developed an alcohol intolerance. So unless we can find a cure, which I think that we need to race to do that, I can't actually imbibe uh, anymore. So my my go-to used to be either uh, an IPA. Uh, I was always a big fan of uh, Shorts, uh, Huma, Lubalicious, uh, or uh, Founders, uh, uh, I can't even remember it anymore because it's been a couple of years. Uh, also, was a big fan of Dirty Bastard uh, a couple of years ago when I could still drink. Or uh, vodka lemonades became a uh, became a thing for me in the summer, especially when I lived in Los Angeles. But now it's somewhat relegated just to having strawberry lemonade because I cannot drink, unfortunately. You know who? I think we miss Steve more on this question than we will on any of the football oh, questions because you know He's former bartender. Aficionado. He actually knows what he's talking about because people are not going to like these answers from me. It, they're just, it's just not going to be what people want to hear. Uh, obviously, love beer. Uh, that's, that always works. Um, I'm still I'm, – I'm 22, so I'm still at the age where uh, Crystal Palace and Powerade can work as a combination. Uh, <laughs> and then this summer I have discovered I really like the uh, Mike's Hard – series you know the various oh, ones God, of those Zach. exactly exactly i'm gonna get ripped apart for this i can already tell uh that's why i kind of wanted to get it out of the way at the beginning that way people uh, Bur- by the time we're gonna done- introduce you to bourbon in chicago we're gonna have to we're gonna have to sit you down and and give you some some like bourbon just well, not even bourbon soda or anything or bourbon and sprite it's just gonna have to be straight bourbon angel's envy something like that you know I think that's going to have to be that's going to become your new summer go-to. In a sudden twist, I am not going to Chicago anymore. No, I'm just kidding. That'll, that <laughs> it'll be fun. I mean, I'm not really picky either. Uh but I I think, you know, in the summer it, it it's a it is a little different. You know, if you're if you're hanging out by the lake in the daytime or something, you kind of it's not you're not necessarily it's not the same approach. You'd rather have something that's uh in my eyes that just tastes a little better. It's not the same as is drinking it's it's more just the drink is part of the fun anyway JB, you know what's a really good uh 
really good uh, summer drink that I that I had. I think it was the last, uh, maybe the second to last summer before uh, my intolerance took a hold. Is, okay. uh, is a good mead. Getting a good, it is a honey wine. There's a, a meadery in Ferndale called Bee Nectar, and they have a bunch of different amazing meads that they make. My favorite was this cherry chipotle. Uh, obviously, you serve it like ice cold. Uh, it's phenomenal. The only thing is it will catch up to you really fast because you'll be like, oh, this is so refreshing. And before you know it, you've drank an entire bottle and you're just completely wasted. <laughs> well, that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. Fruity, but also deceptively strong. That's that's <laughs> probably the goal. Uh, JB374 has a couple other questions. Do you watch Game of Thrones? If not, what's wrong with you? Do you watch Game of Thrones? I do watch Game of Thrones. Oh. Uh, I only uh, I started watching it uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, I I had started watching it when it first aired, but some, as I actually mentioned in uh, in the Monday's Hole in Three, I I basically devoted Sundays to going to the Improv Club. As I lived in L.A., I was in talent representation, so I'd watch it, but I'd always be after I got back or right before I left, and it'd usually be. Like I'd barely be paying attention. I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't really know or care what this show is." But last summer, uh, I went out to LA uh, for, I believe it was when I went out for the satellite camps, and hung out with, uh, hung out with one of my best friends out there, and he, uh, and he was watching it, and it got me, got me hooked. Picked up HBO Now, and I watched all six seasons uh, in very, very quick succession. And yeah, I'm a, definitely a huge fan. Watched this uh, premiere on Sunday, and it was really, really phenomenal. Well, I don't. Uh, I know that's not a surprise to the people that remember the movie discussion, but no, I'm, I'm very much a sitcom guy. Uh, the only non-sitcom shows that I can think of off the top of my head that I actually got into were Lost and The Walking Dead. Both uh, great, great options. Right, right. And I mean, I'm not. It's not a knock on Game of Thrones. I tried watching it twice. You know that that what is it? Two hour pilot episode or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Fell asleep both times. Generally, if I fall asleep twice when I'm trying to watch something. Uh, Probably never going to fully get into it, but maybe someday down the road. JB374 has one more question for us. Uh, Who is your favorite recruit, personality-wise, for 2018, not limited to Michigan or football? I guess I don't really have... I'm trying to to give the basketball side of things. Uh, Certainly... A lot of lot of characters out there, you know. I love the uh, the D one memes now when it's like you know the devil purple devil emoji, the muscle thing, and like hashtag grind, and how people like have like their Twitter name is like never stop one two three or something like that. But <laughs> I don't know, Isaiah, who's who's your favorite so far? Uh, obviously, I'm not as uh, in touch with it as Steve is. I don't talk to uh, the wide litany of recruits out there uh, to the degree that he does. Uh, I have come across, as far as Michigan's concerned, I have come across almost all of their current commits. And one one guy that Michigan has that's committed that I think that people would love is Aiden Hutchinson. The guy just basically, when they came up with the definition of Michigan man, uh, I know it, it's not exactly uh, a context for which that term was coined, but that's basically what he is. Obviously, he's the son of Chris. Hutchinson and but he's just got that that demeanor he's a great guy really nice easygoing personality monster on the field he's the kind of kind of kid that I think represents Michigan well personality wise he's just going to be absolutely a leader uh, in the locker room once he 
uh, establishes himself in Ann Arbor. As far as guy that is not currently signed or sorry committed to Michigan, uh, I would actually go with Ayabi Anoma uh, out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, got a chance to talk to him for a bit in uh, the satellite camp at Bowie State, and he, it, we had to do two interviews because the first one was almost all jokes. <laughs> Afterwards, like I, I, I rewatched it there on the field, and I went back up to him and said, "As much fun as as I had with that, I I can't use any of that because it was mostly." talking about Burger King and how much he uh, wants to make sure that there's a Burger King on campus uh, or at least nearby because he loves to get his whoppers. He's just, he's a hilarious guy. He's really kind of a goofball, uh, which is actually kind of a refreshing when it comes to the way a lot of these recruits are when it comes to like yeah. a lot of recruiting <laughs> interviews. He was just, uh, just kind of dances to his own drummer and it was really, really fun getting to spend that hour with him. Well, he's, Probably not not a huge contender for Michigan. Then the per- closest Burger King is like two miles away from campus, but uh, not no, obviously that's not a deal breaker necessarily. But actually, when you brought up both those guys, I kind of thought of the basketball guy that stands out the most, David DeJulius. You know, he's he's really I think fans really like would like him because he's very very uh, humble. You know, and, and everyone says they're humble, but you know he actually seems the part. Uh, you know, when when I try to reach out to him, you know, for stories about like, oh, you had this great weekend. He's like, oh, yeah, but the whole team had a had a you know so so weekend. So not not sure. You know, you know, he'll he's very team oriented, and he's also kind of quirky in the sense like I remember a couple couple months ago, you know, he decided that he was not going to drive, you know, to practices or to school or to his friends' houses. He was going to bike there. A um, little bit to be quirky, a little bit to be different, and also because he wanted to get himself into shape, you know, voluntarily. So he's probably my choice for the 2018 basketball guys. Uh, I think Ignis Bridzikis is pretty funny too, uh, but more in like the goofy Mo Wagner type of way. Anyway, that's going to do it for JB374's questions. Uh, we also had another summer question from U of M football 97, who asked summer is a time for travel for a lot of people. What's your favorite travel destination and why? What are things you look for in a travel spot? You want to start, Isaiah? Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't. I haven't really gotten a chance to travel much uh, recently uh, outside of going to satellite camps. I obviously love going to California. Uh, having lived in LA, it's kind of home. Uh, I like it whenever I can get out there. You know, I just went. It was two years ago. I went up north for the first time ever. Even though I'm a lifelong Michigan resident, a save for those. Wow. Uh, Say for those four years in Los Angeles. Uh, so going up to, went up to Petoskey and Bay Harbor, and then we ended up spending the night in Traverse City. Went, my ex-girlfriend and I went to a wedding uh, up in that area. Uh, definitely fell in love with that area. It's just absolutely great. I'm sure most of our readers have been there at this point. I'm pretty much in the minority yep. <laughs> there. The, uh, my, my favorite place, to go it's not very like a not necessarily a summery locale but uh and i haven't been there in about 15 years now but used to spend every summer in uh atlanta georgia and i always loved going there i thought i when i was younger i thought i'd move there for sure uh just a great area uh obviously it's very hot uh they obviously have that nickname hotlanta but that's how i fell in love with the atlanta braves uh back in the day uh going to the old atlanta fulton county stadium uh, it used to be on TBS yeah, every night too. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's 
that's been that was my my summer go to for probably I think about a decade. I went to uh, I went to Atlanta for about two months every single summer. Interesting. I you know, and this isn't a knock on Atlanta, but I really rarely hear them as the summer vacation destination. But oh, oh, it's definitely not a traditional one. I don't think I have a traditional. One. I'm sure you have mm-hmm. uh, plenty more because I know you do a bit more traveling than I do. Yeah. Well, summer vacations have always been a Shaw family staple. I mean, I've been to. 48 states in the United States, Oregon and Hawaii are the only ones I have missed. But probably, well, I have a few favorites. I mean, I think if I'm going on a vacation, you know, for a week uh, or 10 days or whatever, I'm probably going to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. I think, you know, between, there's there's a, you know, really, it's kind of a mix of the beach vibes and the beach culture. And also, it's a very summery you know, little southern kind of place. I mean, you know, it's the food there is going to be your typical surf and turf. I mean, you're going to have great barbecue, and then you're going to have pretty good seafood. Uh, the beaches are are really high quality. The weather, it's it's not bad. You know, it's like 80 mid 80s. It'll peak up into 90s once in a while, um, which you can work with. You know, if you've got the ocean water. So we've gone there a lot. You know, we used to travel to a lot of different places, but we settled on that. Uh, I can't believe you've only been up north once. Uh, I went this year, uh, just like I went to the Outer Banks. So, it, I don't know, Mackinac Island, I'm not a huge fan of, but Mackinac City, Traver, Traverse City, the UP, uh, anywhere where there's good views, I'll probably want to go. I love national parks, too. I think nothing brings a family together better than a road trip to national parks. Uh, oh, that, that, yeah. sounds, that sounds phenomenal, I'll yeah. be honest. Well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we can go to national parks and get to know each other better. That could be, well, I don't know if it's quite as fun when it's a bunch of full-grown working adults, but still. I'll, I, bring, I'll bring the non-alcoholic beer. There you go. <laughs> and all that bourbon that you promised. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely will bring that. I might even imbibe and just deal with the consequences for the next three days. <laughs> well, then, then we'd have to deal with the consequences. No, but I love road trips and... Part of that's probably because I, you know, in college I was going to a lot of sporting events to cover them uh, for the Michigan Daily and things like that. But that'll do it for the summer questions. Uh, now we can get into the football stuff. Uh, nice, what, f- 14 and a half minutes in, just in time. So first first one, we'll talk a little bit about the freshmen. We've got J.H. Is Bustanejo. I, I'm not quite sure what the username is, but he says, is DPG... Donovan Peoples-Jones, capable of having a freshman year similar to, say, Julio Jones or Amari Cooper when they were freshmen, or is he a notch lower on the readiness of those guys? And I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, capable is always a tricky term because everyone is technically capable. You know, I mean, the, the potential or the capabilities, that's there. Uh, that said, I mean, he certainly... Looks like he could. I don't know if he... I feel like he would have asserted himself a little bit more in the spring. Uh, you know, I mean, the fact that Tariq Black is, is in that same conversation as Donovan is a good sign for Michigan. And they've got two guys that are really high up there. But the fact that he isn't blowing everyone away quite as much makes me wonder, you know, maybe... And also, you have to factor in Michigan's system. They're not going to throw it to one guy that's going to get 1,200 yards and 20 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's just not going to really happen. So, you know, you've, you've actually been able to talk to Donovan a little bit as his freshman year has began. So at the surface, I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, well, 
he'll be good, maybe maybe great, but probably not record-setting great. But what what's your take on it? Well, he was hampered a bit by injuries in the spring. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't able to practice uh, at a full go as Tariq Black was. So that definitely that definitely hampered his ability to to really show out the way that Black did. I do think that Black came in and kind of surprised some people, uh, considering that uh, Harbaugh's talked about it quite a bit that he uh, basically caught anything that came anywhere near him. I've heard that from sources in, internally as well. Uh, but I do think Donovan Peoples-Jones has the capability, uh, if, if he's healthy, uh, to do that. He's, he was number one wide receiver in the country for a reason, and it's, uh, as a recruit. And I think he's, he's got that, he's got the, he's got the speed. I think that's the really important thing. He's got the hands. He's got the, the body. It's, he's going to be pretty difficult for other teams to defend. So I, I wouldn't necessarily count on, any true freshman and coming, you know, being able to come in and necessarily have that type of record-setting season, as you said, I think that's that's uh, prob- probability-wise. Well, not. I might have I might have oversold what Amari Cooper and Julio Jones did. I mean, they were about they both exceeded 950 receiving yards, um, but Jones only had four touchdowns. Amari Cooper had 11. That's probably pretty attainable. I mean, oh, given how much rep, reps he's going to get, I, I do think he's he off the bat is going to be the best wide receiver on the Michigan roster. Whether that whether that means the production is going to be there or not, uh, we've seen kind of sometimes when you have a player of that caliber. Granted, he's going to be a true freshman, so I'm not really sure how much opposing defenses are really going to hone in on him uh, if he comes out and starts making Chris Evans like first game statements. You know, you know, I think probably you're going to see, set, you know, opposing secondaries uh, really start to pay much more attention to him. But because of that, then you're going to start seeing maybe Tariq Black having more of a bigger season. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I think he definitely has that capability. He's definitely that type of player. Uh, I think he could be the best Michigan wide receiver uh, that they've had since Braylon Edwards. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is going to be a matter of. It's still a matter of learning the playbook and staying healthy. I think would be the two biggest impediments uh, for Peoples. Now, I do think that he'll be able to do the former relatively quickly uh, if he hasn't already. But it's still a pro-style playbook. It's a little bit different than playing in the Detroit Public School League. So uh, he has been able to show himself off against superior competition, but. Uh, at the same time, like in, in the Army All-American game, he had, what, I think two receptions, maybe three. So it, it's just going to be a matter of him coming in and just executing. And I think he has the possibility, but I just wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily peg him to be that. I think the more realistic would be, I think, four or five touchdowns, maybe even up to like seven or eight probably feasible, but I guess the yardage would be down closer to like, Amar, you know, probably like Amara Darbo junior year, kind of around the 700 mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think I think our our asker who is J H I S Z I H U A T A N E H O. So I'm saying J H is I messed it up again. Anyway, I think he's kind of asking, what do we project? I'm not projecting a thousand yards. I I don't know if Michigan 
wants a thousand yard receiver. I think that to them that might be a sign that other guys aren't pulling their own weight and that you know they're relying too much on one target. I would probably project him about 600 tentatively, having not seen him, as you said, you know, maybe fully healthy with full off-season training. I I think 600 is about right. You know, maybe 40, 50 yards a game, 80 yards some games, a little bit less other games. Um, and part of you that is because it. there's other there's other options. You know, it's and not, you absolutely yeah. nailed it. Where like there, where you're saying how you, the other guys pulling their weight, the wide receivers. Uh, you, you, the four freshmen have gotten everyone to stop talking about the rest of the core, and mm-hmm. there's so many guys that can come in and, and be big time players already. And returning will be Grant Perry, the team's current leading receiver on the roster, uh, assuming that everything works out for him legally, and it, it's sounding more and more like it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then Kakoa Crawford, the guy that saw the field early and often. Granted, he didn't get the ball thrown towards. More blocking situations, but right? He's a guy That'll that get I you saw. on the field, though. That'll get you yeah. reps, yeah. It, exactly, and he's a guy I saw in the army. All the yeah, and lots he, of, and he lots of options, yeah. So I mean, like those guys, and I think we forget to talk about Mo Wilson. It's a guy that's got a Braylon like body. He, I've seen him warm ups just go I've out. I've got a question about him later, so we can we okay. can hang on to that thought. But no, I, I I agree. I mean, they've got like six or seven guys that are probably very capable division one receivers and speaking of them a little bit our, our next question is oak three five one seven who has any updates on the height weight of the freshmen also any players that look significantly bigger stronger so since they have not released an official roster uh, we can't give you an exact answer but i know you've been working on it and, and both looks and from what you've heard uh which which players have stood out to you so far well the thing is, is actually I've gotten to see quite a few of the freshmen as well as the rest of the team uh, at a lot of these summer camps that they've had. And I, instead of posting necessarily directly on our board with uh, a lot of the updates, we've been going ahead and updating their profiles. So we try to keep those as up-to-date as possible uh, as far as their uh, height and weight at michigan.247sports.com. Boom, there's uh, a plug. You, so <laughs> if you can go there and... Uh, and go to the player profiles, then you'll see quite a few of them have, have been updated. Uh, some of the guys that, uh, as far as updated weights that I've heard, uh, Ambry Thomas, uh, he arrived at 174. He's up to 180. He's trying to get up to 185. Uh, Nico Collins told me he was at around 205. That's where he wants to stay as of current. Uh, I haven't gotten an updated weight on Chuck Filiaga. Uh, however, I have heard that he looks the part, that he looks college-ready, uh, Joel Honigford, I believe he said he was at 280. Uh, that one I'm not 100% certain offhand. I'm pretty sure we updated that profile, though, to uh, to keep that one going. Uh, as far as guys that, that look bigger, uh, Raymond Hall really surprised me. I saw him at the uh, the AS Roma soccer team, a Michigan football uh, little skills challenge thing they had on Monday, and he just Every time I see him, he looks bigger, and he lo- he's starting to look more and more like a college offensive, which uh, a year ago at this time, not. Uh, so strength and conditioning is really starting to pay off for Jeremy Hall. So another true freshman, uh, which is uh, Luigi Villain, he's up to 245. 
now, and he looks he looks bigger than that. He looks like he's like two seventy. He's just complete. He has that same type of wow factor when you see him as Kalik Hudson, uh, Tyrone Wheatley Jr. He wouldn't divulge his weight range, uh, but he has a range that he's apparently fallen into. He was trying to slim down uh, to get a little bit more speed and everything, and he's he's right where the Michigan staff wants him to be. So he's going to be really, really scary, I think, for opposing defenses because he's still just a behemoth of a person, uh, basically an offensive lineman playing tight end, uh, but he's got that unbelievable speed to boot. So Mm -hmm. uh, I expect him to do some big things. Uh, I think that's about okay. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe your reception got cut this out, but Chris Evans and and Cleek Hudson to me look like they've put on probably close to ten pounds of muscle in in a good way. You know, I know those positions you don't necessarily want to be too heavy, but it seems like they are preparing themselves for the Big Ten a little bit more. Uh, on the basketball side, uh, Isaiah Livers uh, he gained about fifteen pounds between when his high school season ended to be about, about about 230 now. Jordan Poole went from 175 to, uh, he he's dead serious about this. He told me 205. So he, he might want to try to find something in between there. You don't want to necessarily gain 30 pounds out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Mo Wagner put up another 10, 15 pounds. Uh, he's he's going to be probably playing at about 240, maybe even more uh, this season, which would be very good for him because he's going to have to do a lot more as a true center uh, without DJ Wilson around, uh, other guys, not not too many changes. I think Duncan Robinson is trying to trying to add a few pounds to to keep himself in that four spot in the lineup. Um, but certainly Camp Sanderson can can change a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean we'll we'll have more once practice starts and they actually do their official weigh-ins. But seems like seems like the general culture of the football team and, and the basketball team is seems like off-seasons are being taken a little bit more seriously than they used to be. Uh, I, so we'll we'll keep you updated, but be sure to check out our profiles at michigan.247sports.com. Uh, they don't even have official rosters, but we, we have the inside look there. Uh, next question, eh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll do this one for now. Uh, this one comes from C-Max Run, who asks, Who sees more snaps this year, Lawrence Marshall or Moe's? Seems like now or never situation. I, I would argue one of them is a now or never situation, but I don't, I don't know if Mo Ways is really in that situation. I, I think he's been more injury. It's more of an injury thing than necessarily a disappointing expectations thing. But go ahead, Isaiah. What do you, what do you think? I know you were talking about him just a couple minutes ago. Well, with Mo, I kind of actually look at him as a little bit more of a now or never, just because of the depth that now exists. Uh, at the wide receiver position, not saying it doesn't obviously exist on the defensive line, but the uh, the thing with uh, with Mo Ways is, I, I think he he can come in and make a, a bigger impact than people have been giving him credit for because he does have all those attributes that you're looking for in a wide receiver. He's got great hands, great size, speed, all of that. It's just gonna be a matter of can he get open and can he make those big catches. Up with Lawrence Marshall, however, I think that he might be more likely to see the field. Uh, just because now we already know who the starting four is going to be on the defensive line. There's no question about that. I think that's the only position uh, aside from quarterback that we're pretty much set at. And 
the thing is they're going to be looking for that second rotation. And Lawrence Marshall went from, he's another one I should have mentioned as far as guys that bulked up. Uh, I can't remember exactly offhand how, what he, where he is. He had told me I'd updated his profile on that, but he looks like a behemoth because he's moved inside. You know, he was a defensive end, uh, coming in and that was where he essentially was until this, uh, last, uh, this last year or so. Uh, not even, didn't really play defensive tackle, uh, this past fall, but now that seems to be his position and he looks the part. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be a guy that could be primed to step in, especially in the second rotation. Uh, it's going to depend on how some of, again, some of those up and comers are, uh, whether we see, you know, some guys like Michael Blumfor, uh, and some of those other younger players being able to step in and, uh, and make the impact that they're expected to. But I think Marshall tends to be a forgotten man just because of the expectations he had when he joined the team. But now that he's slid inside, they need those bodies. I think he can make a big impact this season if everything uh, holds the plan. Obviously, we'll find out more come fall camp, but I know he had a really good spring. Okay. Well, that, I, I will say, I, maybe maybe other people agree with me. We'll, we'll see what this discussion leads to, but... I'm a little wary. I I am notorious for hating off-season quotes. Uh, you know, I try to try to stay away from them. And I feel like every spring and off-season, we hear Lawrence Marshall's doing work. He's working. He's he's progressing. He's doing great things. And then we really just never see him. And sometimes that's that's due to other factors. Sometimes it's not. I do agree with you though. I mean, he's gonna have to be a too deep kind of guy because. They need that that kind of body and that kind of experience. Whereas, you know, receiver, you know, I think you're right. Maybe maybe Moway sees fewer snaps. I think he's in the, on that too deep right now, Moways. I maybe maybe I'm off base with him or over overrating him and underrating Lawrence Marshall, but I I do agree with the question and the premise of it that both both guys, if they want to stick around for, for a fifth year or make something out of their college careers. This is the next two months will be very important into ensuring that happens. Yeah, it's definitely going to be, it's, it, it's really, they're both kind of in the same boat, mm-hmm. you know, regardless. Uh, I, I do believe a lot of the, the hype, especially because some of just sources and such have said that uh, great things about Lawrence since he's moved inside. But, mm. you know, th- those are the two arguably, the most stacked positions for the Michigan team right now. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard for, you know, e- either of them have to be able to come in and assert themselves if they want that spot. It's definitely not going to be a situation where they can, they can loaf off at all. They have mm-hmm. to really compete and get it because some of the other positions aren't nearly as settled. And uh, Mo has a more, obviously has more of an opportunity for the sake of, he could actually become the starter and, Lawrence doesn't have that opportunity, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's it's going to be, like you said, kind of a do-or-die for both of them, honestly. Yeah, well, and, and I will say this. Greg Madison loves Lawrence Marshall, and generally speaking, the players Greg Madison loves become what they can become at some point. I mean, you look at the track record, even when Michigan's draftable players or NFL draftees uh, was in decline, the defensive line was still pumping out guys here and there so certainly a chance there uh, as for as for mo ways uh, it will be very interesting to see what michigan does with its wide receiver core because as you said there's you know six or seven guys that are 
very easily feasible Division One, you know, starting wide receivers. Uh, but also, they don't have a lot of experience, which kind of brings us to the next question. This one comes from Rich M. It's not quite the same. I, I'm transitioning the best that I can. But he asks, he says, this is a long one, there was a lot made about Harbaugh's offense when he came to Michigan. His offenses at Stanford and maybe at San Fran featured a lot of shifting and motion to confuse the defense. His first-year offense seemed to trend that way, but last year seemed more vanilla. ISO, sweeps, etc. Particularly, the fullbacks seemed to touch it less compared to Sione Homa, except around the goal line. Is my perception correct? If so, any reasons why? Players are still settling into the offense, personnel. I thought I read somewhere that Drevno didn't always see eye-to-eye with Fish. For example, one of those guys wanted to throw more screens. So, a lot, lot, lot in there, and we appreciate the question, Rich. Uh, I think it's it's a very interesting, you know, it's it's a very interesting topic. What is Michigan going to do with this offense? I think one thing I noted when I was rewatching the film, I agree with the vanilla in the sense that it became very simple offense in close games, and maybe that's because they're on the road. Maybe it's because, you know, what can you do against? defensive front sevens like Ohio State and Iowa, but it seemed like the downfall, in addition to maybe some shortcomings of of various players or positions, it just seemed like the play calling was a little too passive, and I I feel like I saw the same thing against Michigan State when Michigan State started to come back on Michigan. You know, part of that's, I mean, obviously that game was out of hand, but it seemed like there, there was something to it more than just the other team played well. It seemed like there was something uh, within Michigan's realm. And from what we've heard, Pep Hamilton has been very much a spark plug to the offensive coaches group. And Isaiah, I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this, on what Pep Hamilton has brought. Because people say, you think pro style, they think fullbacks, two tight ends, you know, very basic. But Pep Hamilton, he's pro style, but he's a little bit more of a modern pro style where it's very passing friendly, maybe a little bit of spread option, multiple receiver sets, and it seems like that might be something that Michigan would uh, very much benefit from. Oh, absolutely. And and that's something that we've been hearing. And I, I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to see it actually happen uh, before we can actually uh, say how it's going to go. But we have heard that they do want to move to some more spread concepts. Obviously, the NFL game is starting to trend more that way. Uh, Michigan what you know does use a lot of spread concepts. You just don't they don't look traditional spread uh Pep obviously is going to be bringing his arsenal from uh from the nfl from cleveland he obviously worked wonders with uh so you know what little they had there converting Terrell prior to a wide receiver uh it's really going to should be a boon for the receivers uh the idea that they're going to try to get the ball out to, to them as fast as possible uh really so you, you will likely see a lot more of those uh types of screens and maybe more quick slants and things of that nature. Uh, I do think that, yeah, they did go a little bit vanilla, but it always seemed like they were doing it when those uh, when they were trying to protect the lead or just trying to get out of finish the game. I did, did definitely notice that. It seems like they took the pedal off the pedal. And Michigan State game is the perfect, is the perfect uh, one there. Yeah, as, but as there's, as, you don't want, I mean, you want to be able to actually close out the game. And I think part of it was that they just... They weren't well, moving with, the goal, but well, with that particular game, I, it, it seemed like once Spate threw that interception, they said, you know, they said, all right, we, let's just not even take any chances. Harbaugh seems to have done that uh, quite a few times. He did that again against 
Michigan State in 2015. Not that they were mm-hmm. lighting up the scoreboard or anything in that game by any means, but uh, did not have that killer instinct. But I do think that what, one of the reasons why it seemed more complex in year one than uh, this last season is because of mainly who was under center. And I, that, this is not a knock on State, but it was State's first year starting. Uh, it was Rudock's fifth year uh, of getting uh, getting meaningful minutes as a quarterback, uh, even though it was under a new system and everything. Uh, you have to look at what Rudock was able to do leading Iowa. He did a very good job being able to do that. Uh, what was Spate, uh, this last year was his first full year, uh, you know, under center. Uh, even though he had that game against Minnesota where he helped lead the team back, uh, he did not look like the capable uh, play caller that he became this past year. So I think that they were, they were definitely, personnel-wise, trying to, to make things as, as easy as they could for that transition. And on top of that, you know, you're still you're, you're working with uh, different pieces in the offensive line and trying to get them to get them to work uh, with you know those different elements of the game. Uh, I do think that bringing in Greg Fry is actually going to also make it so Michigan's offense can be more dynamic. Uh, especially, that's the, I think the bigger signifier that they'll be moving to more spread concepts than Pat Hamilton because. He, that's that's where he's really been able to shine as far as teaching offensive linemen. He he did it here at Michigan under Rich Rodriguez. Did an amazing job in Indiana uh, doing that as well. So this next season, I'm sure we'll see quite a bit of different, more fireworks as far as that's concerned. Things will be more complex. Even in the spring game, if you looked, you could see that they were giving mm-hmm. Spate way more uh, complex reads and things than they were uh, Brandon Peters when he was in. So I think you'll see things kind of amp itself up a notch. That's just going to be how things go, especially as they uh, are trying to acclimate uh, quarterbacks. I think a couple of years from now, you won't see that drop off because guys will already be in the system. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I mean, personally, you know, the more you think about it, Michigan probably should have a lot of, uh, or not a lot of, but more spread option type of play calling because they're going to be faster than pretty much every team they play this season you know florida and ohio state are probably the only two teams that position by position are going to be close to as fast as michigan and then you've got size inside and you've got there's no reason to not uh you know utilize the motion some of the you know some of the short yardage uh outside the tackles kind of work and that that goes into the running game too we'll see what jay harbaugh does but that's been the main takeaway so far is that he's going outside the tackles more than Tyrone Wheatley did. So well, you also know that, notice that we've heard from opposing teams even last year, even though it seemed more vanilla, we still were hearing from from coaches from other teams that Michigan's offense was still the most complicated that they had to prepare for. So even when it didn't look as it still was. Yeah, well, I mean, they certainly, you know, I just remember when I would do some film reviews of these games, it's like that first drive was magnificent for Michigan. I don't I don't know exactly what their touchdown rate was, uh, but the, in those first nine games, it's like they almost scored on their first drive every single time. And it was crazy because they'd have like a nine-play drive and they'd have seven different formations used in that first drive. So I, I kind of agree with you. Maybe, maybe as people learn it a little bit more, I mean, there's no excuses at this point, three years in, you should... You should have the schemes down, but maybe they'll that will expand beyond just the first drive or the first quarter and be something that, you know, maybe they'll have a ice out the clock 
set of of different formations and, and ways to keep things fresh without necessarily taking the risks. Uh, something something certainly to keep an eye on, especially in those first few games of the season. We did get a couple questions, uh, you know, this morning. We got uh, from Big House eighty seven who asked, "Does Steve do real chin ups or kipping chin ups?" Uh, I'm gonna I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I think Steve does real chin ups. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I saw Steve was doing real chin ups with a with a weight belt uh, on that uh, was double his body weight. I'm pretty sure I heard something about that. When did, you, when did that happen? I, I don't believe that. I don't think he's yeah, was, that strong, but <laughs> maybe maybe it was triple. I don't I don't want to I don't want to you know speak out of turn here, but right. yeah, I think you know I think it's it's something along those lines. We miss you, Steve, and thanks for paying us to say that. Uh, <laughs> Mgo Thomas wants to know. Oh boy, you're, you're gonna. I, I You're gonna like this one. Mgo Thomas, you're not gonna like it. it was, that was a joke. Which football assistant is next to leave, in your opinion? So we're already speculating on who the coaching departures are a year from now. Certainly, certainly, well, certainly I, the hot topic discussion. I've been hearing that there's some schools that are really aggressively taking a look at. Michigan's pass game coordinator Jed Fish. I think that there's a good possibility yeah, here, UCLA that he could end up. is really interested. Yeah, so I think there's a there's a possibility that he could be next to jump ship. You know, it, if, if it's not him, I think uh, I think uh, Alfonso Smith. You know, he could be he could be the next one. I've heard he's looking <laughs> for head coaching jobs. Right. <laughs> he, I mean, sure he's he's only been an off field. Oakland coach is in for, play. Yeah. Yeah, he's only been an off field coach for couple months now but you know it's it's never too early early to start uh looking down the road at your next gig so uh no i, I think yeah. it's way too early to speculate on any any of the current coaches as far as i mean pretty much everyone's pretty well enshrined at this point there's really uh there's there's it's really hard to speculate and say oh this guy's going to be going to be out the door uh especially just because no no Pat one's Hamilton got a foot just out got the door. there no you know, yeah. Greg Fry just got there. Uh, Don Brown is, I, I can see him, uh, re, you know, retiring at Michigan. Uh, obviously, that's going to be the same for Greg Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, the, only, the, only, the only thing would be is if uh, one of the younger uh, position coaches ends up uh, getting a promotion to, like, defensive coordinator somewhere. But uh, there's going to be attrition. Uh, there always is, especially with this. Michigan and that's a staff. good thing that you know yeah. you want coaches that are desired by other coaches. It doesn't hurt to have turnover. I mean, you know, you can look at just in in Michigan's history, but also in Harbaugh's history when he brings in a new coach. You know, look at what Don Brown did to that defense. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not not a bad thing, but certainly uh, they are not looking for their new jobs now. That that will come later on in the in in the year probably closer to november december and we will let you know then mgo thomas who we think is gone (laughs) at at least not until uh oakland moves to las vegas and then that will be back in play oh yeah (laughs) i've also heard that jim harbaugh has really strong ties to to houston he visited there once as has the rest of the coaching staff so (laughs) you, you know that's strong affinity for for southern places and the food that happens there, so keep your eye out for there. I mm-hmm. guess I don't know. And that's and, and we're not trying to pick on you, I'm Go Thomas. You know, we're, I know we're I know we're having fun with it. It's just there's not going to be an answer. I mean, even you know, there's there's no way of 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 knowing. You know, no matter 
matter what insight you can you can get. I mean, it could all be speculation here and there. So it's okay though. It, 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 you know, certainly certainly will be attrition. Uh, just don't know what it is before practice even starts. Speaking of, uh, our podcast is going to be out Thursday next week. It's going to be a post Big Ten Media Day, pre Michigan Media Day, and then all the podcasts after that. There will be practice insight and intel to discuss. So that should be really, really exciting. Uh, Made it through the summer almost as far as content goes. Uh, Thank you to Isaiah for hopping on the podcast today. We had some great questions. And if you ever want to ask a question, you can always go to michigan.247sports.com slash board. We will post it a couple, not board like you are board, but board like board games. And we will post uh, the topic or the the thread a couple days in advance saying, hey, you know, feel free to ask questions. It really helps the show go. It gives us stuff to talk about, helps us discuss stuff that you want us to discuss, too. So hopefully you enjoyed this show. Hopefully you learned a couple things uh, here and there. Uh, Of course, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, listen to it at audioboom.com. We also put the story up on michigan.247sports.com. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Uh, I want to thank Isaiah for joining me. Uh, Thanks, Steve, for being on vacation, giving us more room to talk. Just kidding. And we'll see you next week.